0: From the bottom of the Marianas Trench, this is ASPN, the American Shoreline Podcast Network. News for the pelagic-minded.
1: listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund.
2: And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore the Mississippi River Delta Coalition.
1: Oh, wait, excuse me. What was that, Simone?
2: I know. I, I, I Can we get to the point where I'm just like MRD, R slang? Um <laughs> yeah. yeah, at least you didn't ask me to spell Mississippi. Um, yeah. Even to this day, I have to go M s-i-s-s-i you know the little sing song that goes oh yeah (laughs) I
1: know that well and I it's it's fun that you could just say I know last week you had to pause right Mm -hmm. because we had to explain Mm -hmm. who you're with but you're officially in week two as the new campaign director for our MRD coalition so and I haven't gotten fired (laughs)
2: yeah you're still here
1: yes (laughs) How is it going? How is it going? So good sign that you haven't left us and that you haven't gotten fired. So
2: yes, yes, it's going well. I mean, it's a continuation of my work on a different level. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, There's a few little things that you have to learn when you start a job after 17 years at (laughs) another job um, about, you know, emails and calendars, even new HR systems. Um, So um, I'm getting a good healthy dose of some administrative stuff for this week. But I've made sure to stack my days with enough of the work that I love to do, including this. So um, you you are my respite from some HR webinars that I, I need to I definitely need to pay attention to. So,
1: yeah, well, anytime there's a transition, you know, it takes a bit to settle in. And I mean, again, you've been so closely connected to our organization for so long that, Hopefully it's just more of the like HR kind of system stuff and not, I mean, with the people stuff and the work stuff, you're actually good and like hit the ground running, right? So glad you can focus on that. And I assume, how's the response been from, you know, people, I know you shared the news on social media and you've been kind of reaching out to your colleagues and contacts, I assume mostly positive
2: yeah, yeah, it's it, it has been. It has been really, really great. And um I get a couple of funny things from people that maybe followed Restore Retreat and not Restore the Mississippi River Delta, they're like, Oh my god, you left your job, right? And I was like, Oh, you missed last week's announcement <laughs> about where I was going, you know. So it um it actually has been a great chance to reconnect with a lot of people and you know, this shock like in a in a COVID kind of world, not seeing people that maybe we used to see not every day or every week, but, you know, once a month or every couple of months. Um, so it's been really nice to hear from a lot of people that I haven't had a chance to connect with in a while. And so that's been a, a nice, good boost. Um, and so far, the people that aren't happy about it um, haven't come forward to me <laughs> yet. So, <laughs> so um, they haven't got my new email yeah. address yet. So I'm yeah. OK with that, too.
1: Well, yeah, keep quiet. We're not interested. But I have to say, <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, the conversation with you and Steve last week. I thought you both you know, brought such thoughtful perspectives, both in terms of like where you've been in your careers and where you're going. And so really excited to see what comes next from, from you and, and from our good friend, Steve Cochran, who I know we'll stay in touch with. So um, I have to give a little football shout out. I did enjoy some Monday Night Football. Did you um, stay especially. up? I did, you know, you. um, and it was down to the wire and I was a little, I was getting a little annoyed with penalties and stuff as, as <laughs> usually the case with the Saints, but they pulled it yeah. out. So, so we have to acknowledge a good football week for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of, a lot of, uh, Chitter chatter was that it wasn't pretty, but um, but it doesn't matter, right? You know, um, and so that that's always fun. It's that's a really tough place to win. Uh, the weather sucked, and and lots of other things. So, good for them. I have to tell you, my husband has taken and and my little boy, who he let stay up last night. That's a whole other story. Um, they like to watch the Peyton Manning version of Monday Night Football. Have you <laughs> have you heard of this?
1: I don't so, think I have. No, the
2: two brothers, Peyton and Eli watch the game and they they talk about it the whole time last night they had Tom Brady on um they had Drew Brees on um Drew Brees had a Newman shirt on and his little boy had an LSU hat on and Peyton Manning's like send those kids to bed it's it's the funniest way to watch oh. Monday Night Football it's just really really funny it's, it's just a nice <laughs> funny twist on it um and so that that was fun to kind of watch that last night I but love that I, I'll have to check it
1: out next yeah. time yeah
2: yeah it's, it's Funny to watch.
1: Well, I'm really excited to bring on our guest who's been on the show before. Um, I know she's been incredibly busy on a number of fronts. There's a great event that's happening um, as we speak that she's been really involved in. Um, and there's been a no- number of other projects that um, have come out that we've referenced on the show, but wanted to get her perspective on them as someone who's worked really closely on the project. So welcome to Delta Dispatches. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. Helen Rose Patterson, Senior Outreach Coordinator um, with the National Wildlife Federation.
0: Hello, I'm so happy to be here. And Simone, I grew up in Mississippi and I still have to, <laughs> I <thought about> <laughs> I still have to sing the little song. So
2: I did. As, as soon as I said that, I was like, oh, I bet you, Helen Rose. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So you just got to, it, it's the best way to make sure you spell it correctly. Um, it's also a way to test people, right? You know, to right. be like <laughs> who messed up or not. <laughs> well, Absolutely. welcome to the show, Helen Rose. Um, so I, I know you recently traveled for a very good reason you want to talk about that just for a second
0: sure I was in New York City all of last week in Brooklyn with uh, my new baby niece my sister and her husband just had their first baby Uh, her name is Thea I just got word this morning that she's up to eight whole pounds Um, so she's a good sweet baby um, and they're you know definitely in the exhausted new parenting phase (laughs) Um, but we're having we had a lot of fun and we're going back for Thanksgiving so um, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in New York
2: Thanks for sharing the pictures too. New baby's always nice to see you on your Slack feed. So thank you. There you, you
0: go. <laughs> of course.
2: But you yes. have to get back to work, clearly. I do, yes. <laughs> we A missed you and on. you have work to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Helen Rose, I mean, it's been, it's hard to think, right? We're coming up on Halloween. Before you know it, like you said, you're going back for Thanksgiving. It'll be the holidays soon, end of year, 2022. 2021 has been another wild year in, in so many ways. And of course, you know, we've been trying to do a lot on the show to elevate the needs of communities that were impacted from Ida um, and continue to be um, in, in so many ways. So is there anything you want to share about, you know, needs of some of the communities in Louisiana and, and kind of put a message out to our listeners, really trying to underscore that this is something that is not going to you know easily just go away. People will have needs and, and need support for a long time. So anything you want to share on that front? Sure. Um, uh,
0: One of the many hats I wear on the coalition is uh, co-chairing our diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice committee um, for the campaign. And we spent a lot of time over the last month thinking about Um, how do we understand and communicate about the equity and justice implications of these big storms and understanding that, um, disasters can really perpetuate existing inequalities. Um, and, um, the real challenge for us and anyone else responding is making sure that our disaster response efforts actually, um, address those inequalities instead of reinforcing them. And so, um, I'm really proud of the work that uh, MRD, especially our communications folks have been doing um, to shine light on some of the most marginalized communities. They're really small and there aren't that many people in them, but they experience really um, substantial impacts from these storms. Um, And so I I just hope we'll continue to elevate them. And, um, you know, we're seeing right now, people are still recovering from the hurricanes last year um, and it's just a compounding thing. Um, And so I'm just going to, uh, me and other people on the campaign, I think, will continue to just remind our, us that this is an ongoing problem, and um, we have to continue to respond and can't forget with each new disaster.
2: Helen Rose, we had a, a chance to do a flyover yesterday, and and what you're saying is is so relevant. Just because you could see, um, you know, obviously from the air how how much destruction and and you know, full credit, I. I can see where so much work has already been done Um, and, and there's so much recovery underway, but, but the destruction in in some places was just so massive um, that, you know, they, you know, that they still have a, a long road to recovery. And so I think it's really important that we continue our role in highlighting the people that, that for them, that the recovery is a marathon. So thank you for all your work that you've done there.
1: So we want to touch on a few updates today, but most timely is the New Orleans RiverFest, which kicked off on October 23rd and is going through this week. Um, we've highlighted RiverFest on the show in the past. It's a really great event, and in particular this year, there's a focus on um, some films that uh, you and, and colleagues at um, MRD and National Wildlife Federation have been a part of and, and showcasing those films. So. Let's give folks a reminder, Helen Rose, what is New Orleans RiverFest, Fest and, and how many years has it been occurring?
0: Yeah, so uh, even I think when we first were on the show talking about it, it was still called Down River Fest and we've shifted to NOLA River Fest. Um, and so it's an annual celebration of the cultural, economic, environmental and inspirational impacts and contributions um, of the Mississippi River for New Orleans, um, and honestly, it winds up uh, talking about impacts outside of New Orleans plenty too, and that's definitely the case this year. Um, usually, this event takes place in September, but Hurricane Ida uh, forced us a little bit of a delay. Um, and this is the ninth annual festival, and it's the tenth or the sixth year um, that Restore the Mississippi River Delta has been a partner, which I kind of kind of blows my mind because it just. It, I can't believe I've been doing this for six years Um, and that we keep having great new content um, to share and talk about and and use each year.
2: So tell us about this year's festival. What does it all entail?
0: Yeah. So this last Saturday there was live music, food, arts and crafts. Uh, I think they did some rum tastings um, all at the New Orleans jazz and museum at the old U S mint. And before the pandemic, we would have, offered the symposia um, at the same time inside at the Mint, but now we're offering it as a series of webinars during the course of this week. Um, So we started off yesterday with our first one, and we've got three more over the course of the
2: week. So what what are some of the lectures that people can watch and, and tell us where we can find them?
0: So uh, yesterday we started off with a panel on sugar in Louisiana. And as uh, Jacques mentioned, we're featuring this film that our good friend and collaborator, Kevin McCaffrey, has just finished. Um, and so yesterday we focused in on a segment of the film uh, that's about the history of sugar production in Louisiana and its relationship to the river Um And we had a conversation with Kathy Hambrick, who founded the River Road African-American Museum, and Angelique Bergeron, who's the executive director of the uh, West Baton Rouge Museum. And they're both featured in the film, uh, and they talked a bunch um, about the river and our history. Uh, It's super enlightening, really interesting, really great history on the people of color who really built our modern sugar industry here in Louisiana. Um, so uh, that's how we started off yesterday. Tomorrow, we have a presentation from uh, Clément Rum, uh, which is a distillery in Martinique. Uh, this one's a little further away from our Riverfest stuff, but our good Caribbean ties here are really important, especially when we're talking about sugar. Um, and so they'll be on tomorrow talking about the history of this family-owned distillery uh, and making rum agricole uh, in Martinique. Um and then on Thursday, um, we'll be showing, um, a short film, uh, with our partners that our partners at CRCL were involved in, uh, that talks about oyster shelves, um, and recycling. And then we'll also be premiering the full length version of Kevin's film, um, that I mentioned. Um, and so folks can tune in, uh, you can find all the information at Nolariverfest.org. Um, and there are links to both zoom and Facebook. So you can either join the zoom webinar or you can watch live on Facebook, uh, whichever is easier. Um, so there are lots of options to get to watch everything.
1: So I I really, Oh, go ahead, Simone. Yeah,
2: no, I was just going to say, if you missed it, can you go back and watch it?
0: Yes, uh,
2: they're recorded
0: and they're um, up on the Facebook event page and on our webpage and I think or on our Facebook page, but I think also on the museum's webpage or Facebook page. Um, so they're going to be a lot of different spots where you'll be able to
1: follow up. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, the, the film that you mentioned for CRCL and highlighting the oyster shell recycling program is called What Remains. And then Eternal Flow is the Kevin McCaffrey film or or series of films, actually, um, that, you know, we have on our website. You can go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Riverfest um, to find them. And we'll also link to them from this episode. But just looking at some of the vignettes, you know, um, it touches on so many different aspects of the river, um, you know, talking about commerce and river pilots, talking about um, the river is our drinking water, talking about, um, you know, the, the the people that fish, you know, from the river and catfish, um, highlighting re- the restoration opportunity through the Wax Lake Delta. Um, of course, you mentioned the sugar story, um, as well as, um, you know, the river preacher. Um, so, I mean, I think one of the things that just strikes me and, and you know, as someone who used to live right next to the river um, and grew up on the river, you know, there, it's this such a massive... Uh, force in our lives and in our region and has shaped our history, but it's also one that we don't think about often, right? Like it's behind the levees; like we can just go about our lives and not realize just how much is flowing right past us every day. So, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about how the film's eternal flow kind of capture that that narrative a bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think Kevin and I have been talking about like the concept of this film for like several years. Uh, you know, just that. It's really important for us to talk about the importance of the river um, outside of its value in coastal restoration, which is, of course, incredibly important and included in the film. Um, And so uh, Kevin made this film all during the pandemic. um, And so uh, he started off with this idea of the six foot interviews. And he talks to some like really interesting people on the banks of the river, either at Crescent uh, park or at the fly, uh, including, including, uh, Hazel, the Delta rambler, who does one of my favorite radio shows on WWOC, uh, the old time country and bluegrass show on Sundays. Um, but just really interesting folks talking about the history of the river from really various perspectives. I think for me, there are a couple of great highlights. Um, one is that there are these two figures who, um, who both encountered the, this river preacher in different times and places. Um, one of them was Woody Gagliano, who of course uh, is sort of considered the grandfather of coastal restoration. And then the other is a poet, Malaika Favorite. Uh, and so it was just really cool to hear them both tell their stories about interacting with this person and the river, um, and I, I just loved that. And then the other really cool part to me was the river pilot section um, because it's such an interesting world of the river pilots. Um, you know, they're these are like multi generational families that work in this business of guiding uh, boats in and out of the mouth of the Mississippi River. Um, and it's not a perspective that you get to see really often. Um, and so I just found that really, really fascinating, but the whole idea here was to get at the river from a bunch of different perspectives, um, get us outside of our zone of always thinking about it in terms of coastal restoration, um, and really elevate some other ways of seeing and experiencing the river. Um, and so I'm really excited, um, that we're going to get to share the whole film, um, on Thursday.
1: Well, okay, that's Helen so cool. Yeah, go ahead. So I was just going to ask
2: her to remind people where they could go to find more information.
0: Absolutely. So you can find it both uh, at NOLA Riverfest um, and then there's def- .org. And then there's definitely information on our website, um, I think at mississipiriverdelta.org slash riverfest should link to um, all of the different films. And we have it broken out as you can watch the individual vignettes. So the idea with this film was that it could be a standalone two-hour film, but it's also these uh, between, I don't know, two-minute and 40-minute chunks that you can um, check out. So you can watch it sort of at your own pace in both of those settings.
1: So Helena is shifting gears a little bit. We also wanted to talk to you about an amazing new resource that um, launched that you were involved in, um, really the brainchild behind and project manager. I'm actually holding it in my hand right now. It's so cute, Um, but it is a community guide to coastal restoration. So it's a literal handbook that I have right now in my hand, and it's also available online. But tell us a little bit about the resource, what information is included and, and really how it came about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is a, a project that we've been working on. It probably took us about eight months to get it all together. But it's one of these great projects that really capitalizes on all the resources um, among our staff on the coalition, uh, which is really, really fun. Um, so it's a handbook on coastal restoration, and it essentially explains um all of the different decision makers and funding structures, uh, that go into advancing the coastal restoration that we're advocating for here in Louisiana. Um, and so it has things like the federal restore act and the national fish and wildlife Federation or foundation. And, um, the annual plan and all of these little, uh, ins and outs of coastal restoration so that people can use it as a reference guide. Um, it's little teeny tiny booklet fits in your pocket. Um, and then, um, there's also the website where we have more information, a lot of contact information for who the people are, who are like doing this work and making this stuff happen and updates about like how much money has been spent or where we are in a particular decision-making process, things like that. Um, So the handbook sort of the evergreen, always going to be true and factual kind of information. And then the website has all of that, plus the things that change over time uh, in terms of contacts and uh, timelines.
2: Yeah, we are so used to talking in shorthand. Sometimes we take for granted um, that everybody understands all the different processes and who owns what um, in terms of responsibilities and, you know, in an issue as big as our land loss crisis, um, we really have to do all that we can to get folks to understand all the different layers of agencies and, and other folks involved with that. And so I think that this community guide is, is just makes it so approachable and so um, huge kudos. (laughs) It was funny when um, I know being part of pulling it together, it was like, okay, who wants to talk about this or who knows about this? And so it was an exercise for us as well um, to put down some of the things that we know on paper. Um, but, But just kudos to what a nice guide this is. And it's evergreen. Um, with its with its digital version. and so um that's just gonna be a really, really great resource. And I can see us handing it out on field trips and at the Louisiana legislature and other places. Uh, so kudos, kudos, kudos. Um if people want a copy or or I guess um, the digital versions available online and then um, folks want a copy, how how can they find either one of those?
0: So the easiest way to do it is we actually set up a little request to copy button on the website. So if you go to mississippiriverdelta.org or mississippiriverdelta.org slash handbook. Um, Both of those will get you where you need to be. We have the handbook now in the top banner on the website, so you can get to it quickly. And if you scroll down to the bottom, um, there's a little button you can click that says request a handbook. um, And that request will come to me and I'll get it packaged up and put in the mail to you. And we can send you a handful of copies. I know like our friends at Quipra asked for about 50. um, So we've been getting them to people as they need them. But um, yeah, they're easy to get your hands on. And we'll be handing them out at events and things when we're doing a little more in-person work in the future.
2: Yeah, I was in the office yesterday, and we busted open a new box because we all <laughs> we all needed um, a refresh on some. And so, um, people when people get them, that's kind of the. Uh, big compliment, right. Is when they are like, Oh no, so-and-so told me I should ask for these like a referral system. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, we're on round two of sending some of those out because the first round had been so successful. So if folks want to copy, don't, um, they can go to the, um, website, mississippiriverdeltaorg slash handbook and, um, Helen Rose will send you some.
1: Well, very cool and a great resource. Um, and, you know, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's, it's really awesome as a, a way, I think it just cl- closes the gap, right, and makes the issue a little bit more accessible in terms of, um, you know, like Simone was saying, all the acronyms of the different agencies that, you know, we often talk about, but take for granted, like, what are they? Who, what do they do? You know, um, how can I directly engage with them? So, A really wonderful resource all around. Um, And Helen Rose, I wanted to ask you about another aspect of your work that you really um, champion, and and that is doing outreach to the faith-based community in our region and helping connect them to the work of coastal restoration. So, can you talk a little bit about your experience engaging faith leaders in this work? And you know, how does it does it show an opportunity for us to broaden who we think about in terms of you know coastal stakeholders or traditional coastal stakeholders?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've just loved doing this work over the last six years. It was such an unexpected thing to end up in. But um, I've always been known and surrounded with people in my life who uh, are people of faith who really care about environmental issues. Um, And I just saw uh, a lot of frustration from them about not feeling like they had the avenues to advocate the way they wanted to. Um, for those environmental issues. Um, and I think you're seeing more of it now. Um, people like Catherine Hayhoe, who's the uh, chief scientist at the Nature Conservancy, her whole thing for a long time has been being the evangelical climate scientist. Um, and I remember talking to her many years ago when I was first starting this work. Um, but there is starting to be an appreciation of the, the way that faith leaders can be uh, unique stakeholders in not just coastal restoration, but a lot of the different environmental issues issues that we face. And I think here in South Louisiana, obviously, um, faith leaders play just a, a huge role in their communities. And I'm not just talking about clergy. When I say faith leaders, there are plenty of lay leaders in in congregations who, who play those important roles as well. Um, and they're great public speakers and they, uh, bring a lot of nuanced understanding to complicated issues. Um, They're often willing to attend public meetings, meet with legislators, go on field trips, um, and then bring the things that they're learning back to the communities that they're part of, um, which I think just makes them really great advocates. And I think they're also really good at just embracing the complexity of some of this. You know, we often talk about the land loss crisis as As an existential crisis, Uh, and I think uh, faith leaders are really good at grappling with uh, the existential nature of this work, and still being willing to like do the work, and be advocates, and understand that we got to keep things moving forward. Um, and then they're also just great at writing and talking about their work we have a bunch of blogs on our on our website um, from faith leaders like i I'll joke that I'm like pretty proud that I've not really written any blogs for our website but the faith leaders have written a ton um, and uh, I always want them to speak from their own perspective and use their own voice and they're really good at it and I think you can find those at mississippi slash faith uh, and I think you can also sign up for the faith newsletter that we send out once a month Um, there but I just think their perspectives uh, in those blogs are always really interesting and they make me think about the work in different ways
2: so Helen Rose you've obviously been very busy we covered three really big items (laughs) so are there any other things that you're working on or that you're looking forward to before the end of this year yeah. I
0: mean, I love fall cause we start to get back to field trips and tree plantings and things like that. So I'm excited to spend some time outside. Um, I haven't been on a field trip since before the pandemic. (laughs) Um, So I'm really looking forward to getting outside and seeing some stuff. Um, And then, you know, like I mentioned before, I co-chair our diversity, equity, inclusion and justice committee. And I think I'm really excited. The committee has got some updates to our work plan and we're going to be identifying some of our action items over the next couple of weeks and really digging in on some stuff over the next couple of months. Um, And so I'm really excited to see where that team takes that work in the next couple of into early next year, I guess.
2: Yeah, cool front coming tomorrow it should be um, should be field trip weather.
1: So, Jock, how about you? Field
2: trip weather up there? <laughs> huh?
1: Huh? I will huh? say, uh, I had my end of season football tournament on Saturday, and I showed up at eight a.m. in the morning. It was thirty degrees, and there was frost on the ground. Um, but still managed to play two, two games. And, you know, it actually, I think because it was less humid and the sun was out and it wasn't windy and I was layered, it really wasn't that bad, but yes, it's, it's definitely getting colder here.
2: The difference between me and you is the first sentence she said is I showed up and
1: that <laughs> <I laughs> would have not
2: shown up. And I'm still taking like full credit for the championship and, and that kind of
1: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it definitely is, is fall here and it's kind of cozy weather, you know, like cooking those things that um, you you cook when the weather gets cooler and wearing sweaters and all that. So hopefully you all get some really nice fall weather down there very soon. I'm just I'm sending it down to you. Yes.
2: Thank you. We'll give you just a little of it. Thank you. Well, Helen Rose, you don't get away from this show, um, without a fun question. Um, fun question is mandatory. Uh, you do not get to know in advance. It helps us to learn a lot more about you. Um, and so Jacques, do you have a fun question? I have one. If not.
1: Why don't you go? I mean, mine would, is going to be Halloween themed. So yeah. Mine mine was too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um,
2: as the person who has almost exclusively eaten through the entire bag of Costco candy, um, uh, all by my own, all by myself. Um, Helen Rose, do you have a favorite trick or treat candy?
0: Oh, um, I think Butterfingers are always the one <gasps> when people bring in their leftover candy to the office. I get very, it's not something I ever like buy for myself, but those little mini Butterfingers just love them.
2: We had, a, I had a whole conversation yesterday dedicated to this topic that how, if you ask me what kind of candy bar I wanted, it would be different if it was full size versus fun size. Oh,
0: for sure.
2: Yeah. And I feel like the same way about finger sandwiches. You know, you can eat like eight finger yeah. sandwiches, which is like two whole sandwiches. And I would never sit down and eat two sandwiches. Um, but somebody told me like, yeah, you could eat like six mini bags of m ms Like that's the limit. Like that's, you know. And I think yeah. six bags is probably well over a regular size <laughs> bag of M&Ms. So, I think um, so. Butterfingers, is a good choice, Jacques. I think you've answered this before, but do you do you have an answer, a refreshed answer that you would like to provide?
1: Well, I've been craving Butterfingers actually, but I agree with you <laughs> the that same page, um, here, y'all. I agree with you that I only like the small the, the small version. You know, I don't like a big yeah. the big bar. Normally, I'm a I'm a Kit Kat and Crunch. Mm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. but also again the the bite sized versions. I don't mm-hmm. like the big the big bars. Mm-hmm. It's just
2: two bars a Kit Kat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Exactly. How about you, Simone? Are you also Team Butterfinger?
2: Or? Um. So my problem with Butterfinger in this is like always. Um. Is it makes me think about braces and getting that caught in the braces. You know, because Butterfingers are kind of dense in the middle, right? I love. And if you asked ten year old Simone this, she would have probably puked on you. But I love um, fun size almond joys. Um, I think they're so good. And um, this mixed bag at Costco um, also has a hundred grand bar Um, and perfect, perfect fun size bar. Never ever would be one. If I walked into the gas station and bought a candy bar, I would get a whatchamacallit. But um, fun size is just a whole new game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like I have candies for like different places and events. Yeah. Like if I go to the movies and you're going to make fun yeah, of me, but because, yeah. I love raisinettes in the movie theater, but <laughs> I don't eat, too. I don't <laughs> eat raisinets anywhere outside of the movie theater. So I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I hear you. I, I, I can fully appreciate that for sure. I used to eat, um, hot tamales until like it burned my mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I had to like get off of that kick for a little while and then move on. So, um. Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you, Helen Rose, for disclosing um, your, fun si- <laughs> your fun size of choice. <laughs> <laughs> My
1: pleasure. And, and thank you, Helen Rose, for being a guest this week. Oh, yeah, and that for too. You've got to work you got to Helen do. Rose. Thank you. <laughs>
2: thank you for all the other stuff that you do,
1: too, Helen that Rose. That's great. You. <laughs> of course, you're always welcome back. So best of luck as you close out um, Riverfest this year and, 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 you know, really just with everything else that you have going on. And congratulations on your new niece. Thank you. All right. Well, Simone, how about I take the coastal stat of the week and then I'll let you take the coastal voice of the week. Excellent. All right. Well, both are from a recent article by Hallie Parker and the times picayune New Orleans Advocate um, that highlight an area of Louisiana's coast that's actually kind of gaining land and has been somewhat more resilient to the impacts of Ida recently compared to other areas. And in, in the piece, Hallie says that, you know, other satellite photos dating back dating from when Mardi Gras passed, punched through the riverbank nine years ago, show how mudflats and new marsh have emerged where John Bayou meets Ulan Bay as river sediments fill in the area leading to American Bay. Where Ida broke off chunks of or floating marsh in Veritaria Bay, the marshes on the backside of the Bohemia spillway remained largely intact. The difference? A steady source of sediment from the river Through the crevasse, said Michael Hopkins with Pontchartrain Conservancy and National Wildlife Federation scientist Alicia Renfro.
2: So, Jacques, I had a chance to see both places since the storm. Um, And I this article was very enlightening and just so, so true. The difference between what's happening um, and the resiliency of that Mardi Gras Pass area on um, that side of the river versus what's happening in the Barataria basin that that took a direct hit. Um, it's it's stark, right, the differences between the two. So I, I appreciate you pointing that out. That's a good article if folks want to take a look at that. Also from the same article, we get our Coastal Voice of the Week, Kirk Sanji, a recreational fisher who's been visiting the Mardi Gras Pass area with his father since the 1980s. Um, Mardi Gras Pass revived one of his favorite fishing spots. It delivered an influx of fresh water that chased off some prized species such uh, such as speckled trout, but also it bolstered others such as redfish and bass. He wants to see more done to allow the river's muddy water to continue to spread across the coast. Kirk says, what impresses me the most about this is that this is not something that man did. This is something that nature did. It did it because because it needed to happen. Just a reminder, you can add your coastal voice at MississippiRiverDelta.org slash restore dash the coast. And that's M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I RiverDelta.org.
1: Just keep saying it. You'll get it, Simone. It's two two and two, I believe. So um, well, another great episode. Thank you again, Helen Rose Patterson, Senior Outreach Coordinator with the National Wildlife Federation. And we will be back next week in November with another Delta Dispatches. But until then, we will see y'all later on.